What's up, sober family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast for newly sober people learning to love ourselves instead of booze. It reminds me of like somebody trying to have a child and they're like, oh, I'm not ready yet. You know, after this, after I take this trip, then I'll quit. Or after after I take this trip, then I'll have a baby. And then after the holidays, I'll I'll have a baby because I think it's because drinking is really involved. You know, um, there's there's never going to be a right time. Like there's not a date on the calendar that says this is the date that it needs to happen. There's never going to be... I think you just gotta, you just gotta do it. If you think you want to do it, just get her done. Today, my guest is Joy Ramori, and she is in Tampa, Florida, and has been sober for 16 months. She is an ultra distance marathon running ninja, and she has a lot of great inspiring things to share with us today about her journey of stopping drinking. My name is Dana Kroll. I'm a former army chaplain who struggled with alcohol after I left the military. And after a roller coaster of ups and downs, I finally found my way out of the crazy cycle in the winter of 2022 by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone. So let's break up with booze together. With me in the studio, as always, are Al K. Halfrey, my spirit animal for sobriety, and Spruce, my PTSD service dog who is faithfully napping at my side. And we are ready to get rolling with joy. It's great to kick off season five. I'm super excited to welcome Joy, who is fresh off another podcast appearance of some folks that I really admire a lot. So Joy was on the Reframable podcast, which is the namesake pod of the app where Joy and I met through Reframe, which has the mission of helping people to cut back or quit their drinking. And so I just want to welcome you, Joy. I'm so glad that you're here because your zest for life, it inspires me, it inspires a lot of people, it inspired me to go on a long run today, and we'll have to talk about your running. So without further ado, I just want to introduce you and say welcome to the show. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for having me. It's such a privilege to be here. So I'm. let's just jump right into it. From listening to your story uh, with Kevin and Stephanie on the Reframable podcast, you talked about how your first drink was in uh, the eighth grade and how you didn't really like it at first. So like, Tell me just about that experience and how did that kind of change as things went forward and how did it develop into something that became a problem over time? Okay, so I I took my first drink in eighth grade and then I really didn't drink through high school. I turned 21. I really wasn't much a big drinker, but we'll go out with boyfriends and stuff. We would go to clubs and always pregame, but I never really liked the way that alcohol made me feel besides that it made me feel comfortable. I I didn't love being drunk. I didn't love the, you know... In your 20s, you don't have hangovers like you experience in your 40s. But I didn't love feeling that way. But I liked the way that it made me feel as in like being free. And like I was able to dance a little bit better. It made me loosen up a little bit more. But I never really liked how it made me feel. From from the first time I took a drink too, I just felt a, a sense of guilt or like this isn't right. You know, it's I, I knew ever since a young age that it's a drug and it's a poison. So the feeling wasn't just a feeling of, um, like, I don't like how it makes me feel physically. It's also the emotional impact of it or like the you use the word guilt there. So did that guilt follow you throughout the years in drinking? Yeah, absolutely. That may also have something to do with my upbringing. My parents, I never really saw them drinking growing up. Um, my dad at max would have like two beers with dinner and not even every night. And my mom back in the day would drink like some wine coolers, but I never saw them drunk in my entire life until I I was a bridesmaid at a wedding and my parent, my mom and dad went to it. And I remember my mom being like, oh, I'm tipsy. And I was like, oh, it's like the first time like I had ever seen my mom drunk. I was probably 30 years old. 
So I didn't grow up with alcohol around me. Um, I do have a brother who is, I think he just hit 12 years sober on 1010. Um, he's a huge inspiration in my life. I think I just knew in the back of my head, like this is something that I shouldn't be doing. So there was always a huge amount of guilt involved with drinking. Even, I mean, right before I quit drinking, I would not want to drink all day and I would come home and pour a glass of wine and be like, it's not the right thing. And then you take that first sip and it's like, oh, great. Everything's out the window now. And you talked in that other interview about how you had wanted to quit drinking for like a decade and that you would pray at church on Sunday morning. Please, God, help me stop drinking. And then by Sunday night that it was out the window, like, what do you think it was that kept it going? I think it was probably just the way it made me relax. Um, maybe not really have to worry about anything, but I remember having a mammogram done where they were testing some, some stuff and making deals with God. Like if you could just make this like be negative, I, I swear I'll give up drinking. And then he would come through on his promise and I would just go back to drinking. And it was just like, it's the normal, it's a normal thing to do in society. You know, you go somewhere and drinks are being had. And in my mind, drinks are being had as much as I thought they were being had. Like now I'll go into restaurants or what whatnot and notice a lot of people aren't drinking as much as I thought they were or I'll go to a concert. And a lot of people actually do have some liquid death or just getting cups of, you know, water and soda and stuff. But in my head, everybody goes to a concert and gets drunk. They actually don't. Isn't that an interesting part of our culture, right? That we, we just assume that everyone is drinking, but it's not really that way. Do you think yeah. something's changing in the culture or... Do you think, think it was it, always just a bad perception that we had? I think things are changing. I think it's a little bit of both. I think things are changing. Now we're seeing like um, advertisements for Guinness Zero Zero or Heineken Zero and yeah. a lot of mocktails and stuff. Maybe because I'm so involved in it or I, I really do love sobriety. I love being on this other side of it. So I'm constantly like listening to podcasts, listening to my Instagram feed. I have a separate feed for just sobriety stuff because I didn't want to see like all this, these people drinking on my other site. So I guess now that's what's being fed to me. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And if I see something I don't like, like a person, you know, drinking, I'm like, delete, you know, and I'm not saying I delete my friends because I have friends that drink and whatever. But if it's a little bit too much or it hits me funny, I'm like, I don't want to see that. You know, I don't want to see that ad and I'll put it as offensive because there's no need for me to see it. You know, I'm not interested in it. So. And I wanted to get your thought. I'm glad you kind of alluded to this. I wanted to know just more about like, what's your thought about the the marketing? How did that affect your experience? Do you think that it had an influence on you? And what are your thoughts about alcohol in our culture today in general? Um, I think it's a little much. I think it's in everything. I mean, we'll go to funerals and we'll drink. We'll go to weddings and we drink. We go, I mean, there could be any emotion and you're going to drink. You have a stressful day, you're going to drink. You get a promotion, you're going to drink. You, anything. You can add it to anything and people are going to drink. But now it's like, Feeling the emotions instead of just numbing them is has been really instrumental and really huge. Because when I have a bad day, I'm like, well, what can I do to make me feel better? Because alcohol isn't an option. So I can take a bath. I can go for a run. I can go for a walk. I can go to yoga. There's so much more to do than just numbing it out with alcohol. If I go to a friend's party, I'm, we're actually going to a Halloween party tonight. And, oh, man, I was so grateful because my really good friend is the one throwing the party. And she texted me last night. Hey, can I get you any seltzers or whatever, what would you like to drink for the party? And it meant so much to me just for her to recognize that, you know, I'm not going to be drinking what everybody else will be drinking, but she wanted to, you know, make sure that she included me too. And I was like, no, it's fine. I'll, I'm just going to pack some seltzers. And thank you so much for like recognizing that I'm on this path. And it, it meant a lot to me because a lot of the times I have other friends that just ignore the entire fact. We used to drink pretty heavy together and like 
they don't ever make a mention of it. And maybe I'm not invited to everything anymore. And mm-hmm. it doesn't really hurt my feelings, but it maybe more reflects on their drinking habits. I'm not judging them. I don't, I could care less. I, I can be around and it doesn't bother me anymore, but it, back to your question, it is involved with everything, you know, any holiday, it includes alcohol. Yeah. I, so I appreciate you sharing all that. So you love to run, you're disciplined in running. How do you think that that has, how do you think that has intersected with your sobriety over the last 16 months? Is there any sort of overlap into the discipline that you've experienced in your sobriety? Well, that's a good question. Prior to quitting, I remember thinking like, man, if I could just give up alcohol, I can probably shed so much weight. I'm going to be faster. I'm going to be better. And honestly, none of those things have come true. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I know that I have a healthier liver. Um, I sleep like a freaking champ. I slept like 11 hours last night because I'm, I'm ending marathon training. I'm in taper time right now. So like the most important yeah. thing I can do right now is rest. Yeah. And I went to bed at like 1030 last night, woke up at 930. I'm like, that was amazing. Slept the entire time. But yeah, how has it changed? I don't run hungover anymore. You know, I never really drink much on a Friday night because I knew that I had to do long runs on Saturday. Now I don't drink anything on a Friday night and I wake up on Saturday feeling great. And then Saturday nights, you know, because I finished my long run, I used to, okay, now I can drink because I didn't drink much last night. I have to make up for last night and I'm going to drink my normal Saturday night. So I just, I used to overindulge on Saturday nights because that was my night to do it. And uh, I wake up Sunday mornings feeling great now. So I don't, I don't miss it. I really don't. And, and do you, um, what, how long did it take for you to not miss it um, either physically and or mentally? What, I, and what do you think was the thing that helped to, sh- to sh- change, to facilitate that change? Okay. So my sister quit drinking 35 days ahead of me. We, um, we were both reading Alan Carr's easy way to quit drinking book. And I purposely was dragging my feet to finish it because I had to go to a music festival with my sister, which we we're going to be drinking at. She was quitting right after that. But then after that, I had a bachelorette party with 13 girls. Um, I flew out to California and I was, I literally was like, I'm not going to finish this book until I go to this bachelorette party because there's no way I could go there and not drink. And I have no regrets on that. That would have been hard to start, you know, be a couple weeks in and then go to that. And it probably wouldn't have been like easy. Yeah. I probably wouldn't yeah. have wanted to go. But once I committed to it, I didn't know how I was going to get through it. I just knew it was going to be hard and that I was going to have to like push through some uncomfortable things. I didn't know what to expect, but I knew that it was a decision that I made and like there was, there's no turning back. Yeah. And I think you, you had said in that previous interview that uh, it was like, you didn't know how you were going to make it through. You just had to, you had to trust the process that uh, it wasn't going to be like this all the time, I think is, is what you said, you know, yeah. that it won't be this difficult forever. Um, our, you know, former coach on reframe Nikita always, you know, said it's just like this for now. Um, several months ago when I put the pod on, on hold because I was doing something different for work and I just knew I wasn't going to have the energy to sustain everything that I had going on. That was, I, I did a short and I, you know, I did here's sobriety and everything you need to know in 30 seconds and sobriety. And, and one of the things that I said was, it's just like this for now. And so remind me, you had a wedding at about your first wedding that you went to was at about the 90 day mark. How did you prepare for that? And and what was that like for our friends who were listening, who were in their first maybe 90 days and facing something like that? Yeah, um, I knew that that was going to be a difficult occasion to get through, but it's like 
it was a really good friend. And it's like, you have to go to this wedding. You already RSVP'd a while ago. And I would never miss his wedding for the world. I was a little bit uptight. I was a little bit nervous. I'm like, you know, there's drinking all around me. The first couple of months, I kind of, I just really hung out at home. I would do like adult coloring books. Um, I would paint rocks for people that I, I knew on reframe and they would like hit a milestone. So I would like color, you know, paint rocks for them and ship them out. And just allowed me a time to be like quiet with my thoughts. And just, I felt like I had a lot of free time. So it was like trying to like fill space of like having all this free time, you know, and not thinking about having a drink and just zoning out. So I was definitely like a little bit uptight. It was hard for me to like let loose on the dance floor. Um, I remember somebody coming up to me, asking me what I was drinking and it was just iced tea. And he's like, Oh, Long Island iced tea. And I'm like, no, it's just regular iced tea. And I just was super anxious trying to talk to people and I was kind of stuttering and, but um, I was just nervous. It was just, you know, a drink would take that away instantly, but that wasn't an option. So you just have to like deal with it. So like, at what point do you think it it went from being a challenge to you, you felt like you hit your stride, pun intended, I guess, to where things weren't quite as difficult? Uh, I would say probably after, probably after 90 days, you know, I, I was really involved with like, Jay on reframe getting in. I was excited to get into his 90 day group and um, really just listening to other people and like how they got through things and utilizing a toolbox. They talk about a toolbox. What can you do to like, you know, get through these certain situations, bringing your own seltzers or making sure you have a ride home. You know, if you really want to leave, then how can you get out of there? You know, um, you know, actually I have a really terrible headache. I'm going to have to leave now. You know, you're not stuck anywhere. So you just kind of like, I started breaking out a little bit each time, just like getting a little bit more comfortable with things. I was going to go back to the day that I quit. I, right before I was trying to prepare for this podcast and I grabbed my journal from the day that I quit drinking. Oh, cool. I hadn't read it in a while. So I'll just read a little bit from the day I quit. It says, uh, drinking ends and my new life begins today. It does absolutely nothing for you, Joy. My last drink was yesterday. I was in Kiki's bedroom in California after her bachelorette weekend, chatting with her and Danny. But I've been wanting this for a while now. I know that drinking is a crutch. And then I just wrote some bullet points and it says, there's nothing to give up only to gain. There is no reason to have that occasional one drink that will cause me to have to start over. And then uh, the only way to be an absolute non-drinker is to not drink. And number four, to be a happy non-drinker, don't have the desire. It's all or nothing. And that's kind of from Alan Carr's book. You just don't have to have the desire. And so I think his book is super repetitive too. So they say these things over and over and it's almost like maybe it's brainwashing me or whatever. But from the day I committed to it, it's like, I I really don't want it anymore. It was like, I was being freed of it. You know, like this no longer serves me and I don't have the desire. It's it's not for me. And then I, uh, on the next page, it says I got hooked because I took an addictive drug. Addiction is caused by the drink, not the drinker. It is ridiculously easy to stop drinking. And these must be from the book. It says, I'm stopping because I'm tired of being a slave to alcohol and I am walking free. And then it says the vow. I vow that I will never drink again because I have no desire to drink. I vow that I'm committed to freeing myself from alcohol for the rest of my life. And I vow that I have had my final drink. I am free. I am a happy non-drinker and it is not hard because I do not desire it. Oh, wow. <laughs> ah, so right there it is. That's, that's like a... a treasure you know i think of the, the handful of things that i you know i could if the house were burning down what would i want to save and that's why i bought a big fire safe actually so i don't have to worry about it but like, the things that are in the fire safe you know are things like like that the the handwritten things 
how much has writing or journaling been a part of your process? It's been more of a process lately. Um, and I have journals everywhere. One of I have things on my to-do list and one of them is to like get them all together by date. Yeah. So I want to buy like a bigger book because I have this other one here and it had a lot of schoolwork in the middle of it. Oh, you probably can see it. I had to yeah. like rip the pages out and yeah, yeah. Kind of like just make it a journal. But I want to put them all together by date. And I think it would just be fun to to really see like how that how it progressed and, and whatnot. Let me see. I have a couple more pages that I was going to hit on. Okay, so day 220. Uh, it says, I, I'm noticing that I don't have a lot of patience when it's not quiet. I'm, I'm a big per I like to be alone. I like silence. I've, I've been going back to school and I'm really enjoying like really just diving in and learning new, new things. And this, I hated school. It, it's so weird for me, but I'm really enjoying like learning new things and succeeding in it. So I think that's like huge. And I think a lot of my life, I never really believed in myself or I didn't think I was capable of doing so, you know, so well in school. And now I'm doing it. So it's like become such a fun challenge for me. But I'm, I'm trying to work on my patience, noticing when it's not super quiet. It says, what joys has being alcohol free brought to you long term? I wrote, I feel like I'm working on being the best version of myself. And then uh, short term, I guess, no hangovers. And then right before the podcast, I sent my husband. He's like, oh, you're going to ask me to do this like five minutes before you record a podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of forgot. So I wanted to get his perspective of my sobriety. And I wrote, have I changed? How do you feel now about the fact that I've quit drinking? And he said, I feel the change has been all positive. You have an extraordinary sense of drive and determination. When you put your mind to it, you accomplish it. You have always had this, but I feel like you do things with more of a purpose now. I'm like, wow, that's super nice. And I said, how, how has our relationship changed for the better or for worse? And now, and I, when I asked him this question, I was like, please feel free to like, just throw it all out there. I won't, you won't be in trouble. And he said, it doesn't bother me one bit that you quit drinking. And I feel like the only negative thing has been that you can get self-conscious about it. And it might affect your desire to go out and do things socially where drinking is almost an ex expected part of the experience. And that's true because like immediately when I get invited to something, my mind goes to like, how much alcohol is going to be there? You know, am I going to feel uncomfortable? I was a little bit not nervous about going to this Halloween party tonight. But as soon as my friend wrote like, what alcohol free beverages can I get you? It like changed my whole thought process. Yeah. It's weird. And now I feel completely comfortable going. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a great time. You know, maybe because she recognized it and I don't have to hide it or, you know, it must have something to do with that. Um and then the last question I asked him was, what changes have you noticed about me and our relationship? And he said, I feel like you feel like our relationship has changed, but I think we are so strong together. I look at so many people our age and among our friends that have issues with their relationships. We have none of that. I really don't think that you quitting has changed anything. We can always have fun without it. And he's not much of a drinker. So it's I'm really lucky in that case. I can't imagine having a partner that, you know, is overindulging many nights of the week or, you know, that has to be such a mega struggle. Um, but I'm lucky because I don't have that. And so it makes it easy to not really, we have, we have alcohol here, but it's not touched. So it's not, it's not tempting to me at all. This is so powerful. Thank you for sharing all that. That's good. <laughs> that's good stuff. What would you say? So you, you said those things to yourself at the, the critical moment when you had, when you had first quit, what were some things that maybe you needed to hear in the 90 days before you quit. Maybe there's somebody who's listening to this who is at that place where they're like, I really want to, I know I need to, uh, but they just can't kind of wrap their, their head around the idea of, I, I, I 
actually can. What would you say to that person who's in that 90 days before quitting? It reminds me of like somebody trying to have a child and they're like, oh, I'm not ready yet. You know, after this, after I take this trip, then I'll yeah. quit. Or after, yeah. or after I take this trip, then I'll have a baby. Or, and then after the holidays, I'll have a baby because I think it's because drinking is really involved. You know, um, there's there's never going to be a right time. Like there's not a date on the calendar that says this is the date that it needs to happen. There, there's never going to be. I think you just got to you just got to do it. If you think you want to do it, just get her done. And I really like that Alan Carr's book because they're like, I'm committing right now that I will never drink again. And it's like making a promise. And I don't know, I'm a promise keeper. How can I turn back on my word? And then just really reframing your mind. Like it goes from. I can't do anything without having alcohol to I can do everything without having alcohol. Mm -hmm. There's even more that I can do without having alcohol in my life. I can now go back to school. I have so much more free time. I sleep better. I feel better. My skin is better. You mentioned your skin. It's interesting because the, the question that I was just about to ask is you, you just strike me as someone who is very comfortable in their own skin. Like how have you befriended yourself throughout this process? And, or, or how has your friendship with yourself changed? Because I don't, you don't strike me as someone who necessarily like you didn't despise yourself before or anything, but you just seem very comfortable with who you are and how, how has that maybe changed or not changed throughout this that's process? A, that's actually a really good question. I, um, I was so different before I quit drinking and I do like myself so much better now. Um, I was so anxious and so nervous all the time. Mm. I I didn't believe in myself. I I mean, I'm a marathon runner, but I have a really great group of friends that I run with. So they they're my motivation. You know, if I didn't have a friends to run with, I probably wouldn't run as much as I do. That's like our happy hour. We go out, we talk about our weeks and I'm definitely more confident. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing that has changed in me is my confidence. I feel like I can talk to I want to talk to everybody. I want to like be friendly with the person at, you know, the gas station. I want to, I want to, I want to be just a better person. And I'm not afraid to like speak up or like, I didn't believe in myself before I'd be in a conference room full of people. And, you know, I knew something was wrong, you know, with what we were dealing with in a conference room. And I'm like, I just didn't have the courage to even speak up. And now I'm like, my friends are just as important as the person next door to me. Mm -hmm. And then like, as I got more confident to speak up, I'm like, people are listening to me. Like I actually said something that matters, you know? And so it's, I think it definitely has given me more confidence and taken a lot of my anxiety away. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know what else to ask you right now. Cause that was so good. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> really I, good. Let's see. I, I wrote some notes down. Um, yeah, please feel free to, cause I, I kind of like bait and switched you on this. I was like, well, we'll start with your story and then we'll just kind of go wherever. And that, I just kind of jumped right into it. I didn't really give you a chance to talk about your story, your backstory. No, it's okay. But... I don't really, I really don't have a story. I mean, I just had a life before drinking and a life after drinking. I mean, like I said, my parents really didn't drink. My brother um, is very involved with the um, sober community. He does AA and is super involved. And he's one of my biggest inspirations in my entire life. And now I have a, a sister who's sober. And I think, I think my sober brother, Greg, is probably like, I can't believe that they both quit drinking. So we would send each other pics at night, every night of our wine glasses, like here we are again, you know, and now they come up at my time hop and I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what yeah. were you thinking? You know, it's just, it's crazy how, how it crept into my life because in my twenties, it was like, 
I would, I would go to the country bars with my, my girlfriend and we'd do like, they had sink or swim. So we would do like sink or swim and go home in a cab and, you know, get home at three, wake up at eight, go to work, get home from work, sleep for a couple hours, go to the country bar again, do sink or swim, you know, and it was just when we went to the bars and then I lived alone for a little while. I didn't really drink much alone. And then when me and my husband bought our first house, it was like, oh, we have wine in the house. And I slowly started to, I was a wine drinker. I never drank like heavy alcohol, you know, liquor in my thirties. I was like a straight red wine drinker. And then, you know, it, it just slowly started increasing, like how much, I, how much wine I was consuming, you know, and it just, it just kept growing. <laughs> I'm like filling my wine glass up just all night until I, until I fall asleep. So it was like right after work until it makes me tired. And then I go to bed. I embarrassingly, like my husband never kept track of how much I was drinking. I, I don't think I, I talked much when I was drinking. So we would just be watching TV and I'd be drinking my wine and um, I'd go to the cabinet and like fill my wine glass up and I'd pour it so quietly because I didn't want him to hear it. Like, bloop, 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 like how high mm-hmm. I was, he's not paying attention, but in, in me, I'm like, you know, maybe he's listening and I would put the wine bottle down really quietly and he's just watching TV. But to me, I was hiding something. So, you know, you know, you're starting like, this is a little bit of a problem, you know? Yeah. Um, that's a lot of truth right there. there <laughs> but go. it feels good because the truth will set you free. Yes. Um, how hard, and, how hard was it to, to come to terms with those things, to, to take honest stock of where you were at and to recognize that like this, there is something that's not right here. Yeah, I think like probably with every hangover, I'd be like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this again. Like I'm over drinking and then my hangover would subside and then I would start to drink again. Um, so just probably having so many conversations like that with myself, like I don't want to drink anymore. And then oh, I'm doing it again. You know, the, your brain is taking tabs of all that stuff, Yeah. you know, and then, then my sister, I don't even know where she got the idea to, you know, we're going to read this book and we're going to quit. And it wasn't like she was looking at me like, I'm going to do this because you have a problem. It was just, Hey, I think I'm going to quit drinking. And I was like, I'll join you. She's my sister's my, she's my best friend. Like we're, we talk all day long and she said she was going to do it. And I was like, I'll do it too. And, and I, I'm grateful for that because, you know, she got me to where I am today. And, but I really didn't believe it. I'm like, okay, we're doing this thing. And because she started 35 days ahead of me, she went out and visited her daughter when she was in California and, I remember her sending me a picture of her like on a, you know, they got scooters or whatever and she was on a moped and, and I'm like, Oh, she's, she's really doing this. She's like not drinking. So I'm like, gulp, you know, this day is coming, you know, I'm counting off the days. Like, I guess this is happening. You know, she's not, she's counting on me, but she's doing it. And I said, I would do it too. So here we go. And, and you joined reframe. I think you said on the day that you, um, on, on the day that you quit. I don't really remember. It was, it was definitely early on though. Cause I, I did have another app, which was just like a day counter. Uh-huh. And then, um, my sister introduced me to reframe. And, so and tell me about the, you know, again, this podcast is not sponsored by reframe, but we're both so just intimately connected to it that, you know, how has the community there made a difference for you in, in, in the process in the last 16 months? Oh man, listening to other people's stories, um, are just inspiring and just kind of reminds you like, you're not alone. We're all in this together. Um, I would go for walks on my lunch break and I'd listen to Nikita. And yeah, she was yeah. she was the first person I shared with, um, but I was so nervous. 
and it, I've really seen it grown a lot. Um, you know, I've made some really good friends through there and I'm really grateful for, um, you started the Thursday badass group and that has grown to maximum capacity and then little, little, um, groups have formed off, off of there. And I have some friends that I Marco Polo with daily. They're my people. You know, if, if I'm feeling uncomfortable, I can be like, Hey, you know, I have this going on or, you know, I'm about to go to this party and they're like, Oh, you know, I won't drink with you or you got this, you know, and it's just nice to have some people to count on that really get it. Um, I can't call my friend that I'm going to a party tonight and be like, I'm a little bit nervous because there's going to be alcohol there. I'm not nervous. I'm not going to drink, but you know, it's just a little, could be a little bit uncomfortable being around it. Yeah. I'm so glad the Thursday badass is great. It was like, <laughs> and I, I remember that day. I think it, I'm almost positive it was September of last year. And I hadn't set up a, an Instagram group in a while. And I just happened to be on a meeting and somebody was, you know, I, I think that, I think the host called, it was probably Nikita. She was probably <laughs> like, well, there might be someone on this call who could set up an Instagram group, a rogue Instagram chat group. <laughs> I did that. And I, I've done that yeah. paying it forward because you did that for me. And I went and I've done that for, for a lot of people through Reframe because people are like, how do you get connected? And I'm like, I'll set you up on a re on an Instagram group. And then I, I'll set all these people up and I'm like, all right, I, who wants to be the, the host yeah. of, of this? And like, I got to go because I can't keep up with so many Instagram groups. I, I left so many of them and I hated to leave because each one was kind of like it, its own family and not everyone took off the way the Thursday badasses did. So like, yeah. were, oh my God, the chattiest group. Like it was amazing to see, like there was rarely an hour that went by without something going on in that chat. For sure. It was awesome. Yeah. But it's nice for people who just start to to have, you know, they they have someone someone to talk to. So it's nice. Yeah. And I think in my experience, I'm curious for your thoughts on this. Do you think that the having some distance from people um, physically, because um, I mean, there are physical link ups that happen where, where, you know, people that live in the same area in these groups do meet up. But um, a lot of us are just spread out. It was just kind of like, whoever happened to be on that meeting that day were the ones that ended up in that Instagram group. And so like, do you think that it helped that, that having some distance physically and having the, the ability to like interact with people, like whenever you're feeling like it, do you think that that helps some people to kind of like warm up to it? Because I, I'm just trying to picture myself, you know, having conversations about my sobriety early on with friends of mine. And like, I wouldn't be able to speak with them as intimately, strangely as people who are, technically still strangers. Yeah, it, it's, that is, it is a little strange because it's almost like you don't realize that they're humans until you really start to get to know them. Then you're yeah. like, oh, so it's kind of like you're talking to, I don't, I, it's not like a robot or anything, but it's like, I don't know who you are, but hey, we're chatting right now. And then like over time, you're like, oh, this is like my, my buddy. Oh, I remember them. They live in Missouri or you just really start to become like very quaint with them and they are super easy to talk to. And it's really, it's really an interesting thing. Well, I guess the moral of the story is if you're out there and you need someone to connect with, you can connect with one of us and we'll try to connect you with others. Um, and um, if you are already connected to other people, try to, you know, create a group, create a chat group that you can have and uh, it, it will bless you. And even if you don't stay a part of that group, like Joy and I have said, we, you know, created groups and then we were like, Hey, we need somebody else to be the admin. And then like, you know, quietly removed ourselves from the group. That can be something that you can do to pay it forward. So, um, Joy, your uh, Instagram is at Sauce Sobriety altogether. Yep, Sauce okay. Sobriety. Yep, Sauce Sobriety. And uh, can people message you if they 
if they absolutely. want to after this? Okay, cool. Yeah. I assumed that you would be okay with that, but I wanted to ask just to make sure. Perfect. Um, parting shot, tell me, you know, again, if you, if you had to say one thing to someone who is on the fence about this whole thing, uh, what would you say to them today to encourage them just where they're at? Put yourself in timeout. Go take a bath. Go for a walk. Do something just to get through the day. And the next day when you wake up, you're going to be so grateful that you powered through. I always think of like, oh, I got a gold badge because like I made it through something hard and I leveled up because I accomplished a concert. You know, there's going to be things that you have to get through and that you never thought were imaginable, but it's you're definitely capable of doing it and your body will thank you for it. Boom. There it is. Boom. Ah, <laughs> that's that's some good stuff. Joy, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this uh, kickoff episode uh, after a, a five-month season break. Uh, we're, we're kicking off strong, and thank you for uh, for sharing time with Al and Spruce and me. This is just so good. Like, Yeah, thank you so much. 